Okay, ready? Uh, hi. Hi, good morning. This is Nick Westrate, and this is For the Girls Podcast. Um, we're a podcast about uh, queer people's obsession with iconic women who sing and are in movies. And are on TV. And are on the Broadway stage. Or on any stage. Or on any be, stage. It could be a small... It could be a diva anywhere. It could be on a cruise ship. Um, uh, this is a podcast about metalarks. This is a podcast for our Rainbow Road people. This is a podcast for uh, Broadway dictators. <laughs> this is a good one. This is a podcast uh, for people who need their tissues for their patty issues. Ooh. Who do we have, Nick? We have Ben Rimmelauer. Who are we talking about? Patty LaPone. <laughs> Patty fucking LaPone. Ben is a theater director and a writer and a performer and um, a cabaret director and a Patty LaPone savant. Mm. Oh, I said that. <laughs> I think you're our first. I think you're our first person that's actually taken their obsession to the art form. The high art form that it could be high performing, art by performing your fandom, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, well, what else can I do with it? Can you tell us about that? When, when I don't know, you... like like we do, just hold ourselves in our room and cry in the dark. I did that for forty years. Okay. <laughs> then I opened up the curtains. What made you? What made you start that? Write that show? Um, well, I, I I mean I kind of I'm so obsessed with Patty Lapone that I've always been extroverted about it, and it just sort of it kind of just ha- over time that I got pushier and pushier about it. You know, until there was like a two drink minimum, but um, like uh, I mean, originally, well, I did a show. I wrote and I wrote, I conceived and directed a show uh, called Leslie Kritzer's Patty Lapone and Le Mouche um, in two thousand six. Break we, that we, down. We, what were all those words? So it was called Leslie Kritzer is Patty Lapone at Le Mouche. Le Mouche was this um, nightclub in New York in the late seventies and early eighties. It was a gay club, a dance club, but they had a, a cabaret room and different people performed there, Cheetah Rivera and Lainey Kazan and mm-hmm. Sissy Houston, you know, those, oh. those types, <laughs> all, all good eggs, <laughs> and um, including Patti LuPone uh, during the run of Evita on Broadway, uh, every Saturday at midnight, she would do this cabaret act, and um, it ran for 26 weeks, and it was like the talk of the town, and Andy Warhol was like a groupie, and they were all like blown out of their minds on, you know, blow, and like yeah. they would pile in the limousine and like go to like, you know, Studio that's 54 the, afterwards. That's the Because the Night. That's the, yes, yeah, that's, that's the recording Because, because the Night. Yeah. And the, Take me now, baby, here is I am. And the music, the musical direction was by David Lewis, who's still with us today. Right. Is a, a, would be 
thrilled to be mentioned at all because he's a hot box of crazy. And um, <laughs> still, he's more than ever. But in the 70s, he was kind of the guy for, like, he did Diane Keaton's act and. and Diane Keaton's act? Was all this noise? Diane Keaton used to have yeah. a cabaret act. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that goes back a little earlier. Uh-huh. Wait, Susan, I'm sorry, Susan Sarandon had Yeah, a or like act? maybe just when she was singing in Rocky Horror Show. Just, but they all came to him for coaching, for arrangements, for whatever. Right. And um, so it's like all, like, because the night, it's these sort of um, either rock songs like that or sort of rocky disco versions of Cole Porter or crazy medleys or weird special material. And um, I had I knew about it because I had, well, to be fully deep into my fandom, when I was in college and I had gone to the um, Performing Arts Library in Lincoln Center, not just to watch uh, the Patti LuPone performances that were on video, which sadly does not include Evita, because it's Lonnie what? fucking Ackerman. Um, the, it's Lonnie Ackerman yeah, performing it? At, what? Um, performing at the New York Public Library, get your shit together. Listen, you know what? That's actually really wild, right? Everyone's, well, it was be, it was before the, now every single show always that it happens. It's, you know, now they do them with several cameras and the whole thing. Then it was a little bit more like oh, are we going to do this? Okay. I think each time they had to sort of like renegotiate with the unions. It wasn't like a just boilerplate kind of thing that's a given. I always thought you had to like have like a f- like just a full journalistic reason to go to the library and watch well, the, you know, like truly prove I your think credentials. you don't, but I definitely like went in with like a full like, hi, I'm directing Evita in my college <laughs> and also I'm writing a paper on Peronism and fascism in Argentina and also, you know, I was just like not, Layering it not getting out of there without the video. But the sad thing was, of course, it wasn't Patty. But I also went on their... Um, uh, jur- the journalistic uh, database to read all the press about Patty because there was no you know internet because there was no internet back then. and um, some of those things were all these bad reviews of her cabaret acts from the early eighties uh, mostly by Stephen Holden and um, but that's fine we're friends but um, uh, including Le Mouche but everything that he was saying critically about her performance at Les Mouches was tantalizing to me. Um, you know, that she would sing these um, serious ballads and then stick her tongue out of her mouth at the end like Donald Duck and like, you know, I was yes. like, fabulous, amazing. <laughs> subversive. And, subversive. And um, and then when I first went to New York, I bought a poster at the Triton Gallery for her Les Mouches act, which was this fabulous, like, cartoon image of her in, like, a man's tuxedo, which I'd seen her in, because it's with the same black uh, mm-hmm. tuxedo that she wore to the Tonys when she right. went for Evita, um, with this weird, like, deconstructed piano keyboard going off into, like, a night sky, and she's got, like, a Carnival Barker's, like, cane, and it's just... And it says, Saturdays at midnight, following her performance in Evita. And I was like, ah, I can't believe that is a thing. How did you know about the Les Mouches concerts when you first moved to New York? That's how I knew, because I, well, I read oh, those reviews. you saw the poster? And I read re- those reviews, and then I bought the poster, right. so that I knew the poster was not, like, fictional, you know? And then when I was, my first job in theater was assisting Lonnie Price, the director, and the first show I worked for him on was uh, Sweeney Todd at the New York Philharmonic with Patty. Whoa. And um, so, and I'd been obsessed with her since I was five years old and my whole life. And so I was, you know, out of my mind. Um, and um, so she and I got along really well because, you know, 
I was a gay guy that was obsessed with her, and she was like, yeah, exactly. So you know? wait, what was that moment like, though, that first moment when you met her? Um, what was happening to you? It what was, was overwhelming. I mean, I was just like, you know, just like, hi, Ben. You know, just, I mean, she's, you know, that's what Patty expects from people. It was not long. And she's probably gotten a lot. A lot, it. totally. So it's not like right. the, the first gay guy to ever come up to her. I used to be her. worried that I was going to overwhelm her. Mm-hmm. Like it's dating somebody and you're coming on too strong. But I realized quickly that there's no too much. But Patty loved me and she gave me all her videos which was like the treasure trove of treasure troves. And one of the things... So she, wait, she was, hold on, she was archiving her own work on VHS? Well, yeah, like randomly. Like her husband would have like three Mets games and in the middle would be like Patty on Merv Griffin. And it would be, like, all, like, you know, like, off of, like, janky, like, you know. They were like was this, like, rentals? Were you going to the Patty rental store? And, like... She gave me four brown paper supermarket bags filled with everything she'd ever had of her career. Her brother's wedding, where she sang, you know, whatever. The Juilliard what? graduation. Everything. What? And just, like, get it out of here. The Juilliard? Get it, what do you did mean, they, get it out of here? Did they Not the graduation, have... excuse me, the reunion. Oh, I was like, did they even have camcorders no. back then? Yeah, no, no, this is, like, but randomly, like, her husband filming, like, at PJ Clark's... Like, in a 1988, like, Patty and Kevin Klein awkwardly being like, nice to see you, how are you? <laughs> Just, like, randomly. fucking nuts. I mean, and, and so, let's go also. All, we've gone kind of gone in the middle, but I'm imagining when you said your five-year-old self. Yeah. Is now living all this fantasy. So you're five. Where are you from, Ben? Well, I was born here, and I'm like, where are we? We're in New York. Yes, I was born here, and... Uh, my grandparents took me to see some Broadway shows when I was really little. Like, I saw Sandy Duncan in Peter Pan and Debbie Allen in West Side Story. And I saw mm-hmm. The Wiz and um, uh, Annie. Um, but uh, but West Side Story, I had a crying fit uh, during Debbie Allen's rape scene. And I had to be carried out of the theater. So That's reasonable. Because Debbie Allen was giving her Anita. She was, yes. Right. But oh, you know, wow. I wasn't having her being <laughs> beaten up, you know. But sure. so they weren't going to take me to Evita, but the commercials were on all the time, and they were mesmerizing. And I was like, I, you know, it was so gay, actually. I think I was, I, used, I loved looking at old pictures of my family, so I knew that my grandmother's hair had been brunette when she was young, but she was blonde. And then on the Evita commercial, you saw Patty as Evita, both blonde and brunette. And singing the same song. Like, she sang Buenos Aires in the Buenos Aires dress with the Buenos Aires brown wig. And then it was Don't Cry For Me with the blonde wig. And then she came back. She did just a little touch with the in the blonde wig on the balcony. Mm-hmm. It was how the commercial was edited. So I, I understood that that was the same person. And I was fascinated that she was, like, all these that things. That she could have two wigs. Just a quality. Fill me up with your heat, with your noise, with your dirt, overdo me. Let me dance to your feet, make it loud, let it hurt running through me. Don't hold back, you are certain to impress. Tell the driver this is where I'm staying. Hello, Buenos Aires. Get this, just look at me, just up somewhere to go. We'll put on the show. Take me in, it's your blood, give me speed, give me life. Singer, this is where I'm playing. Stand back, where the fight is. Because you ought to know. 
touch of star quality. Okay, so you're seeing these ads. You're seeing these ads with, with two different ways. And I really wanted to, to see Evita, but they wouldn't take me because it was like really, you know, mature. I thought it was about boxing because like the wire um, railing of the balcony in the set of Evita oh. looked like a boxing ring. So I was like, oh, it's too violent. It's about boxing. That's why I can't see it. But I knew they sang Don't Cry For Me Argentina. So just Argentina just meant something to me from that. And then we moved to to L.A. when I was five. And then the national tour was always coming through and it was always the same commercial. And I, but like in L.A. we didn't really go see shows. It was like, you know, it was just like a different world. And I mean, my grandparents weren't there to take me and my mm-hmm. parents weren't into Broadway in that way. And um, it was not really until I was like then like in junior high when, like, Phantom was in L.A. with Michael Crawford and everybody was, like, freaking out about Phantom and it was all of a sudden, like, a status symbol, like, at my school. Like, if you saw Phantom and Les Mis and you got the T-shirt, you were, like, you had rich parents. That was really all it meant. But, like, but I was, like, so bitter and jealous that, like, my parents weren't, like, rich and just, like, taking me to, like, dragging me along to see Phantom and Les Mis. They were like, you fell asleep at Cats! We're not spending $200, you know? (laughs) But, like... Uh, but I like wanted to be a part of that, and we got a car that had a CD player, and we didn't have none of us had a CD player in our like in our house at that time. I mean, no one in my family had a CD player until we got this car, and we were driving to Disneyland, which was this long drive, and so my mom let us pick out CDs, and my sister chose um, the music of Andrew Lloyd Webber. I think she wanted the Phantom album, but it was, like, a double CD, and my mom wouldn't pay for it. So she got, like, one that had, like, just the Phantom mask. Like, highlights. Exactly. But it had Don't Correct Me, Argentina, and um, Another Suitcase, Another Hall from Evita. Not even sung by Patty. It was Julie Covington from the concept recording. But but Don't Correct Me, Argentina, I just remember being in the car and being like, this is, like, the greatest thing I've ever heard. And so then I went out to get the album of Evita with Julie Covington, and they didn't have it. I had a gift certificate to Music Plus, and they only had the Broadway cast album, and I was like, mm, all right, I'll get this shit. And, but then I was like, and, it, and I put it on, and it was like Patty was singing Don't Cry For Me differently, because Julie Covington was like, it won't be easy. And Patty's <laughs> like, it won't be easy. And I was like, ooh, it is this weird thing. But then I was like, you know, once I heard like Rainbow High and all that shit, I was just blown away. It won't be easy. You'll think it's strange. When I try to explain how I feel That I still need your love After all that I've done You won't believe me All you will see is a girl you once knew Although she's dressed up to the nines at sixes and sevens with you I had to let it happen I had to change couldn't stay all my life down at heel looking out of the window staying out Oh, 
through my wild days, my mad existence, I kept my promise, don't keep your distance. And as for fortune, and as for so you listened to that, so you got that soundtrack, and then you returned. And it was off to the race. It was off to the race. So then I was like, that's, I ate, breathed, breathed slept, shat, everything. Patty, and and this was all still in L.A., too. Yeah. So it's kind of harder at, around that time. It was, to eat, it was hard, yeah. What year, what year are we talking about? We're like, this is like now like 90, 91. So she was on Life Goes On. you had Life Goes On. Yeah. Which is my, like, was my introduction to totally. Patty and a huge thing for, like, me because my dad would not let us watch Life Goes On. Because of the HIV storyline, well, that's a couple years later, right? But so we'd started, it was very it was very like American family friendly, the first right? So we started like my it's mom and I three, loved it. Four, four seasons. seasons. Okay. My mom and I really loved it. And we, I think it was on Sunday nights yeah, where I Sunday lived, nights. and we would always watch it together. And like that theme song was super evocative for me. Uh, did you ever? Were you taping the episodes? Oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was all about like when Patty would sing on the show. That mm-hmm. was like what I lived for. What'd she sing? Um, Broadway Baby, I'm in love with a wonderful guy, blown in the wind, someone to watch over me. God, you have such a bad memory. <laughs> I'm trying to get some juice out have, of you, and it's I just have not a really cooking. Good memory for things that happened 20 years ago. So I, you, like, I do but not just know shot from yesterday. how I got here. Yeah, <laughs> what I've done today. Yeah, yeah. Her character's name was Libby, right? Libby Thatcher. Yeah. Libby Thatcher, because Libby Thatcher was all, like she was a normal mom with like a job, which I don't remember, but she, she also, had all these like, shitty jobs. She used to be like she's like a former singer. Former Former actress, yeah. and she like didn't she like work in the community theater, or, like the, the church theater, theater. Yeah. <laughs> former singer, which I was really excited about because I was a th- community theater queen, and I was like, yes, I know this woman. Like she was so. Oh, that show. Did was, you know that she went to Juilliard? I didn't at the time, and Juilliard was not a big thing for me at the time. Mm-hmm. It was I didn't like grow up being a kid who like needed to go to Juilliard, but um, you're like I, they just wanted me, and I I'm just the fact they just like begged me. No, I'm and just, we didn't really know Patty that much. I feel like didn't. Patty wasn't in our. So you know that Jason and I grew up together. Yeah, right? yeah. So we. And that's for everyone who just tuned in. Jason and I grew up together in Michigan. Um, I actually remember I bought. I had my mom go out and buy Madonna Evita, and you lost your ever loving shit. And I remember you being like, "I was very anti Madonna Evita yeah. and very really? pro." Yeah, I remember Evita. you screamed, you cried. Or. You screamed, <laughs> you cried. Or. Patty or Elaine Page, but you can love Patty and Madonna. I know it's just no. I was really at the time very. I don't think that was our Patty. only argument that we had, and I was like, "I just want it." <laughs> I love it. It's actually really good. I mean, I have my, you know, my notes, but I, but I absolutely but from what you could imagine, does, does how bad you could imagine oh, totally. it being, it's absolutely not even close to a no, disaster. No, not even close. And it's lovely. There's something fragile, because her voice is fragile, so there's something kind of fragile to that thing. I don't know. Yeah. I think it brings that, that specific energy that I'm like, oh, that translates pretty well. Mm-hmm. But doesn't, was, doesn't Patty, like, rake Madonna over the coals all the time for it? A little bit. I mean, she, yeah. But Patty's never even seen the fucking movie. I mean, she doesn't know anything, <laughs> right. you know. That was on Watch What Happens Live, though, right? That she did that? That she Okay, everyone into... missed the fucking lead of that interview. No, this is the, this is the wrong story I once saying because Patty's been saying that shit about Madonna for 25 years, you know, whatever, since mm-hmm. the movie came out. Mm-hmm. Right. But what was amazing on that episode that nobody talks about was that they were like, um... Eileen from Rochester uh, has tweeted a question at us. She wants to know, is the legendary feud between you and Bernadette Peters fan fiction, or is it real? 
And Patty goes, it's fan fiction. Beat, beat. I mean, I hardly know the woman. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best thing ever. It's like Mariah. Yeah. (laughs) Oof, that. I hardly know. I mean, Patty's ability to give sizzling hot tea is my favorite thing. It's also like that, what was the Lloyd Webber thing recently where she was like, he's just, it's just very sad. He never became Stephen Sondheim. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I feel, I feel sorry for him. Yeah. It's so good. I mean, I'm so over the Lloyd Webber thing with her. Like, I'm just like. Because you're bored. I'm bored. You know, it was in 1996 in her Broadway show, Patty LuPone on Broadway, it was like, she was making all these bitter jokes and it like really took the show down a notch from like where it could have been. Is that where the pool quote came from, from that? The swimming pool? Yeah, the swimming pool. Probably, yeah. yeah. I forget. I get it all mixed up. But it was too much. And then a couple of years later, she had a little more distance, and she was in a better place, and she was making really funny, better jokes and all that about Glenn Close, and I loved it. But I'm done now. Do you think she was behind Olivia Coleman's Oscar win? <laughs> um, no. I we should. I, mean, I wish she had that power. For the children, we're jumping around. I don't, I don't think everyone right. quite knows. So, so <laughs> for the children, for all the legendary children who don't know the Sunset Boulevard story, will yeah. you tell us the, yes. the true and righteous version of it? Patti LuPone starred uh, in the original London cast of Angelina Weber's Sunset Boulevard in 1993. Um, it was a musical based on the movie. It, yeah. um, it had been a big thing in the press about whether it was going to be Patti or Meryl Streep and Patty had done the workshop at Angelique Weber's estate the summer before, and Meryl was in the audience, and supposedly Patty just blew everybody away, and then they gave Patty a contract for London and Broadway, which would be the following year, the same way that many Lloyd Weber shows, for example, the recent hit at the time, Phantom, had opened in London, and then the same leads brought it to Broadway. Um, and then they decided to uh, do... There was bad blood between Patty and Andrew already from that point because he was stoking the press about Meryl and she was there, you know, whatever, like making equity minimum, like at his like summer house, like, you know, quickly learning this thing that was supposed to be a reading and now there's like costumes and choreography and she has to be on right. book. And, and perform in, for the likes of Meryl Streep. And he's inviting the press and all this shit and London producers and everything. So, you know... Like they still do to us all the time. Right. Constantly. Yeah. Anyway, I'm so, not going to get my soapbox about that. That was that, but then... Then they announced that it was going to open in L- Sunset was going to open in L.A. after London, but before Broadway, with a second company that was going to be led by Glenn Close. And so then it started all this speculation: would Glenn Close do it on Broadway instead of Patty? Even though Patty had a contract to do it on Broadway, the speculation went on for months and months. And Android Weber said all these like um, you know uh, nebulous things, like you know not confirming or denying and saying shit about Patty. And what happened was that the reviews in London for the show had been mixed. Um, they'd been very good for Patty, but mixed for the show, which was a problematic show. And they've, they're still mixed, right? Still. For the, for the show. But the uh, New York Times, Frank Rich came over and he said that Patty was miscast and unmoving. Um, oh. And so supposedly that was the nail in the coffin. Um but then Patty wasn't even told. She just read about it in Liz Smith that, in fact, it would be Glenn Close opening on Broadway. So Patty had, like, a legendary fit and, quote-unquote, had, like, batting practice with a, a floor lamp in her dressing room. And um, she still had two weeks left in her London contract, which she fulfilled. And that's... I would give anything to have seen the those, two those two weeks every I mean, night. That must have been, like, the true... Blood, just blood on the I'm coming out of Already burning, not long until the cameras will start. 
legendarily that her closing performance, the set broke down like three times and she came out on stage and sang a cappella, this old standard a hundred years from today that is, then became one of her um, signature concert things is to close with this a cappella song. And, uh, and then Glenn Close did it on Broadway. And there was more to it also because then when Glenn Close was leaving L.A. to do the show on Broadway, mm-hmm. Faye Dunaway was announced to replace Glenn in the L.A. company. And then the day before that was supposed to start performances, they just closed the L.A. company and blamed it on Faye couldn't sing. And so then Faye gave a famous press conference where she said it's yet another capricious act by a capricious man. And so there was like a whole... And Betty Buckley had taken over from Patty in London and then took over from Glenn on Broadway. So she was going everywhere, um, you know, being the one person that was like, this is like diva soup that I could eat all day long. I wrote a paper in college about this diva soup. It's really yummy. I still have my like uh, binder cover of like all the like different Norma Desmond's. It's so wonderful to be back in Manhattan. The Daily Press is here to meet my boat. There's simply are no words and you may quote. America, your wait is through. At this, my new New York debut. I cannot wait to reinstate myself back on top. The sad fact is that Europe's gone insane. To add to this, I have such family strain. My sons don't call, my husband cheats. Now they can't pay their own receipts. I'm back on top. That really? Yeah, what that's my it? alarm. What's clock. it called? Oh, it's really? so wonderful to be back in Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> and then all the people around me are going, <laughs> back on top. It's called back, back on top. On, it's so great. It's everything I ever Her? wanted from a Patti LuPone opening number. <laughs> it's not the opening number. It's There's been an opening number, and then Christine had a solo. But the opening number is when what, Patti what comes it, on. Was, did they ever create... Do you know any tea about, like, did they get along during that? Was it an amicable theater share? I, I've only heard about them getting along. Um, I mean, I haven't had the chance to quite, like, corner, like, Michael Greif or, like, Scott Frankel and, like, right. really get, like... Because I know they hate each other. Like, I don't know what they're telling each... I don't know how they behave toward each other, but I know that there's deep... Weren't their interviews a little... Not contentious, but, like, um... I feel like I remember reading their takes at the time. And well... It was a little bit, like, cold. Well, the Christine, I think, was... I'm pretty sure... And this is totally uh, supposition, but I would bet a lot that I'm right. I think Christine was forbidden by the producers to say anything political or controversial in any press... So all the interviews where it, they would talk about Hillary's campaign, because it was all this, like, pro-women stuff, it was 2016. Right. Um, it was always Patty getting on the soapbox, because Patty thinks she's Che Guevara, but, you know, Patty actually it doesn't have very controversial views. She's pretty much, like, middle-of-the-road, like, liberal, like everybody right. else right. in the theater. But she's always like, and I don't care who knows it, <laughs> I think 
black people should be able to vote. I'm sorry. I'll say it, you know. And she just goes on and on and on. And, you know, Christine's sitting there going, no, I know that. Job, but she's just like Christine's like, mm-hmm, yes, I'll let Patty do the talking. I love in this version how Christine is like an incredibly no, she con- is. she's a conspiracy she's theorist. She's a conspiracy theorist. <gasps> That's amazing. Um, but also Patty Patty's face at the Tonys when they announced all the nominations yeah. was the best, like, I know this isn't happening, but yeah. I'm just gonna sit here anyway. Yeah. Moments. It was like so much subtext. She's a genius. Her face is so much subtext. She didn't need that Tony though. She you know? know, and we it, all know that. She's really mad she lost for Anything Goes. She's really mad she lost for Sweeney Todd. She went to the Tony for 2016, to? knowing it was better. Anything Goes is crazy, huh? Who did she lose to for Anything Goes? Johnny Gleason. For, for Into, the Into the Woods. Right. Yeah. And then um, Sweeney Todd? To LaShawn's For the Color Purple. For the Purple, yeah. I just showed Nick the um, Lashawn. No, yeah, we were kind of like <laughs> we we were kind of playing around with like Patty Lapone and Patty Labelle, and uh, but like crossing each other. And I was like, I, I said, who would play, play Patty? We were like, and we were like when they have the musical about their lives, and I thought, like the share show. And he from like the other room, he goes, "Who's going to play Patty?" And I was like, "Lashawn." <laughs> because we were like LaBelle. screaming around about LaBelle and LaBone, and I was like, "That's our genius for LaBone." It's such a be- weird, inspired cast. Keep, keep this weird I, inside so, joke about our breakfast conversation. Yeah, I don't I mean, keep this whole conversation. But I wanted to say, I um, for, uh, I just showed Nick the um, uh, Blow Gabriel uh, with when she performed for Barbara and George Bush. Oh yeah, in the gold lemonade dress. I it's 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 even uh, for like about fifteen years now. That's been kind of one of my favorite Patty performances. Totally, I live for that one. That one is just so. Yeah, she's full, uncorked, but gorgeous. Yeah, and just hair flying everywhere. Where yeah, you don't ridiculous. see from anyone anymore. Where the hair is like she put it up, kind of. But it didn't stay there. <laughs> she it was not, wanted it to was, stay there. Yeah, she, yeah. She's just shaking and yeah. freaking out. And yeah. I'm just imagining like George and Barbara being like. Is this okay to like? There's an abandon. I mean, she does. It's something I find with all really great divas, or the ones that I'm super attracted to. There's an abandon. Yeah, it's a good one. In her performances, that just. And she's she's kind of always had it. Yeah, I can't remember. Totally. Frank Rich had something about that performance. I think it was Frank Rich. I mean, yeah, I, that Frank Rich review of Anything Goes is is amazing. Where he says like she can't even make like the Star Spangled Banner sound, sound lewd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Isn't that fabulous? Fabulous. That whole review that's is fabulous. fabulous. It opens with her and closes with her, and it's it's great. And it's all about her mouth too, yeah, making totally. things sound lewd. Totally. 
I love that. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, there can be so much insane. I was I was thinking about this. I was watching um, this morning. I was watching the ladies who lunch from the Sondheim, the Red Dress Sondheim concert. You don't like that one? You don't like that patty? You don't like the whole thing? Oh no, I love the concert. I don't like that patty. Why? Well, first of all, I don't like the way she looks in that red dress. It's not a great. Is it? Is that like a? She wearing just like kind of. Is it that? No, it's thing? kind of like it's. A, yeah, it's. Well, is it a wrap things. like a wrap with all like a little wrap? No, thing? no, no. But it's but it's it's an empire waist. Yeah, with right. no shoulder. It's, it's right? a little matron. No, she has a shoulder. It's a little oh, matronly. Okay. It's a little mother of the bride. Yeah. Well, she's you know I mean you know she's singing she's doing Joanne. Well, that's not what I was going to say for oh. sure. But no, she. I mean you know that was what fit her at the time. You know. Sure. Do you think she held back a little bit on the lady's no. so performance? No. No, I just I like it better when she does it in the in the show in. Um, in London. Well, or even in the Philharmonic concert in costume with Neil Patrick Harris sitting there, you know, when she actually understands the scene. You know, I don't, I feel like it, it wasn't as good at that. But uh, iconic with Ellen Stritch watching her though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny when she goes, does anyone still wear a hat? And like, she looks at Ready Lane. But I, I don't know, I, I just prefer um, mm. uh, the other one. I was just having this thought though, watching it, that... She the way she uses consonants in Marin? That, no in Patty yeah the way she uses like her consonants yeah and I was thinking about Patty I was thinking about it like in relief with Elaine because I'm a huge Elaine like Elaine's my number three and I'm obsessed yeah. with her Elaine's up on my list too they um, no but her consonants in that thing I was made made me think about Patty as like. Because consonants are about ideas and vowels are about emotions, you know. At least where that's we came from. I never Ju- heard that. That's at amazing. Juilliard, that's like a thing, and like because we trained with a couple of the same teachers, yeah. I like, was thinking about that or projecting that onto her, as her thoughts are so clear mm-hmm. in that performance. Yeah, it's just really particular and so different than Elaine's, which is yeah. so volcanic and emotional and rides on these long, long, long vowels mm-hmm. that listening to Patty like clip and and through that song yeah. like she's making her points which yeah. I love watching her do because she's such an actor I wonder if I just like the other one better because she's in the costume and I don't like the red dress on her it could be I'm gonna, I'm but gonna also, challenge this you to is do a thing. re-listen to it uh, because it's, no, I this do is though the it's thing. the one they always play at the fucking bars I mean you know it's like Jennifer Holiday and everything and then you, they bring the Patty in the red dress you know and I'm like wrong what, what, what bars babe <laughs> what bar what bar <laughs> I want to go to this. But like, not so much you know, when the you're like, 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 like I've been in Fire Island, Island, like at Sunday show right. tunes, or right. you're like in Chicago. Everybody has like musical Mondays and all that shit, you know. Right. But this is the like, thing. This is the thing about fandom is you've watched them so much, you you can start splitting all kinds of fandoms. Yeah. Where like we'll be like that bar that Bet just did that those like three notes are not my favorite on this. You know, like yeah. that's right. the kind of thing that you get into. A because like you do reach the end of the of the treasure trove so then you do just start it's different with I mean Bat I part of what I respect so much about Bat though is that she's such an artist as a singer and a musician I mean that is like it's all about the story but it's but music I mean Bat for, do you know the standard for all we know mm-hmm. so yeah. I always like if you compare the Bat version to the Barbara Streisand version the Barbara version is such a piece of shit. She should be embarrassed. She should delete that from her catalog. It's a snoozy. I mean, that is going like, for all we know. You know, it's mm-hmm. like every single thing, there's a spin and an arc and a, you know, it's a thing that blossoms and then decrescendos. And, and Barbara's just like resting her voice between belt songs. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and and I, Patty's not like Barbara, but Patty's not, she's also not like Bette. I mean, Patty doesn't, 
I think Patty's an actress who has a powerful and beautiful voice that she knows how to use thrillingly and mm-hmm. sometimes beautifully. But I don't think that... You know, Beck can sing a song that... Beck can make it beautiful just by the way that she uses her voice. Whereas I think Patty's just supplies her voice to the tune and if it's a good match, it's a good match. You know? I was talking about how she never does contemporary. That's why I was... Well, that's why, like, when she I doesn't, found... Hasn't, she doesn't think she does well and other people have agreed with that. You know? That's why, like, the... Uh, uh, because the Night. Because the Night. Yeah. I found that years ago... And also, you know, and, and when I left New York, I put on Calling You. Call, yeah, and, Call Me. Like, that's, like, that. Um, get Here. Get Here. I mean, that's. Get like, Here. The I air just, that I breathe. Because I actually it's think so she's beautiful to get. You can reach me by caravan. Cross the desert like an Arab man. I don't care how you get here. Just get here if you can. You can reach me by sailboat Climb a tree and swing rope to rope Take a sled and slide up down slow To these arms of mine You can jump on a speedy coat Cross the border in a blaze of hope I don't care how you get here Just get here in and mountains are between us so we something to get over If I had my way surely you would be closer I need you closer you Really pretty when she does those spins on it actually Yeah, It's been so rare so I But I always feel like out. it's kind of accidental when Patty does that Like she's like a you know, like, it just, if it comes to her, then then it's beautiful if she happens to come to her something good. I feel like Bet is really a song stylist, you yeah. know, in a way that Patty is. Well, Bet likes, likes to reappropriate songs and put a different spin on them, musically or genre-wise. Like, I mean, if you go back to, like... But then can deliver the execution yeah. of that, mm-hmm. you Like, know? if you go back I mean, to, like, her first, like, charting song of Do You yeah, Wanna Dance, yeah. like... That is such, right, it's the most the iconic version, remake. Like what, a, would, yeah. what kind of contemporary song could you imagine Patty just killing? Well, the one that I, um, the, do you know, it's, I don't, this is so sad, this is what I come up with for contemporary, but like, um, there's a, um, Summertime, there's, there's, there's that, a yeah, flag song. There's that Andre Bocelli song, Conte Partido, um, <laughs> It's worse than what we imagined. No, no, it's an Italian pop song from the 90s. And then um, Donna Summer covered it. I Will Go With You. And it was like a dance mix. Oh, cool. Um, you wrecked... Re- it's, it's a... <laughs> yeah, Sarah Brightman sings it. Time to Say Goodbye. I think the Sarah Brightman one is... That's the translation. But, like, I always wanted Patty to, to do that. Like, just something like... You know, like, What's Up by Four Non Blondes. Or, like... Oh, that would you know, be cool. Anything... Oh, you could, she could fuck Pat that. Benatar or Cyndi Lauper. But just, I, even, you know, something with a big vocal. I also right. think it was she like a do, boom, kind of yeah. like where her voice can truly boom totally. into that. Yeah. I also think That's of something right. like, or something like, I love when Patty does like Sleepy Man is one of my favorite yes. songs ever, yeah. and I love it. It's been a busy day with some heavy seas, but you've done your best. 
let your troubles lay. Let your breathing ease while I rub your chest. Like, I can imagine her doing, like, uh, do you know Ariana Grande's song, Snow in California? Yeah. It's just a great kind of, like, it's like a Christmas song. It's like a ballad. It's like, please let it snow in California so that this person Well, this could happen. I mean, I feel like Ariana is probably a Patty fan. So, like, there's totally, actually hope here. Totally. I've been trying to convince my friend Heather you can't what she to says. sing it in her act. I just saw her in concert. And you have, well, she learned from Patty. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's amazing. Kind of where the Talk good about, crossover like, is. just, like, consonant syllables. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. All the Talk way about through. Diva Soup. Diva Soup. <laughs> Who's the Patty impersonator that's on the internet? There's so many. Christina Bianco? No. Michael Burbach? Is that him? Who, and he does like... From like 15 years ago? Uh, no, it's... And he was like a little twink doing like... Um, where he does like Patty Sings Anything, like Patty Sings... Oh, oh you mean Jonathan Hoover yes. on, um, on Instagram. Yes, yeah. I love... Hilarious. And where, yeah. where she does like Seasons of Love or totally. something. He, I think he did. <laughs> or did you know she does Take Me Out Tonight? Yeah. And it is yes. so... Patty LaFont. Yes, Patty LaFont Take Me Out Tonight. And it is fucking... Per- it's, a, it's, it's seriously one of the joys I go to. to like, And then I'll do Patty all day long. Yeah, once you get it. What's his name? Stop. Once yeah. you get it, uh, you Jonathan get Hoover. Everyone go to Jonathan Hoover's well, Instagram. Uh, and then after you go to his Instagram, you can go to can. our Instagram. And then you can follow us on Instagram. And then you can leave us a review. Rate, review, subscribe. I'm trying to do this in the middle of the episode, and Jason is currently mortified. It's integrated. It's integrated. You it's can't natural skip over and that. it's good. So I just want to have that natural good transition. That natural Offer really code good. girl. But once you start singing like Patty, any I'm just like in LA. I'm just driving in the car. I don't think any song. I, I'm not going to do it now because I, I I can't. Not in front of you. But any song I hear, just putting the Patty on it. Oh, it's amazing. It's full joy, y'all. Like, if you could it's put a full, Patty sound filter on any song. It's fucking joyous. Because, like, y- you, there is a way that I think a lot of people can do the Patty. Yeah. Right? Like, I think if you do start, like, maybe not good, but, like, it's such a distinct style. Well, that. you get this. I feel like Patty enjoys the visceral experience of That's melting. it. That's like, it. Like, when she, like, opens... I mean, it's kind of like what you were saying about her having abandoned as an actress. Yeah. <clears throat> It's like as a singer, I feel like part of what's exciting about Patty is that you feel like she's unleashing a natural force. So it's like, it's not like she's like, you know, pushing. Like when Bernadette does Rose's turn, it's so thrilling. It's because she's like, you know, Rose, you know, and she's like, she's, she's going to make it happen Veins by her, out like, of her force of her soul, uh-huh. you know, whereas Patty, it's like there's this natural force and she's just like pulls back the curtain and it's like a hurricane. Right, you know? she releases, she's a she conduit. Yeah, she's exactly. a conduit for so, it. So um 
that uh, I think you can tell, or at least she gives the impression that she's that's giving her joy, and actually more than even like a sensuous pleasure, like the feeling of like her jaw like flapping in the force of her vibrato as she's like undulating. <laughs> with it, she's like know? she's she's just like the sail and the voice yes. of the wind. Totally. Well, and like, it's certainly like that blow, Gabriel blow. It's you know just like that's like uh, you know. It's like she's really like feeling that. Oh, yeah, it is just, yeah, it's effortless in the way like she just like she's like she's like pulls out the curtain and then there it just goes. Yeah, it's like it's also does she know the song? I think she knows it, or like, like, (laughs) she's just so on that moment. It's almost like maybe she doesn't like like, a Ouija board or what you call automatic writing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's just like red rum, red rum. She's the Ouija board of torch singers. (laughs) She really is because you don't, it's so unhinged in a way, but control too. Like, it's almost like this like kind of balance because yeah. like she's like never pi- I don't think she's pitchy people have given her a lot of shit for being pitchy over the years less so now because now she's old and people it's because they don't her. know her tonality and they I think they don't, don't know her like tonality it. they don't appreciate the um the what do you call it the breadth of her vibrato mm-hmm. you know um and yeah. scooping and sliding and you know I, th- I think people have Applied maybe the wrong standards at times, you know. And we um, like like they did this all like male reviews did this all in the seventies to women that didn't sound beautiful, right? Right. You yeah. know, like they could yeah. not take. They did Tibet too. Right. It's like if you they don't, her if you don't and decide, and, yeah. If you don't, and it's like a, a choice, you know. Yeah. Like Patty's making a choice. She's not not like that's that's the back to Sleepy Man. It's why I find it so thrilling when she uses restraint. Yeah. In the same way, like, when Bette really uses restraint, like, on something like For All We Know. Yeah. It's so exciting because you know where she might go. Mm-hmm. But the idea of Patti LuPone singing a lullaby is so Well, that's Patti's album, Matters of the Heart, was really, like, the first time she had a whole moment that was all about restraint. Yeah. And, I mean, I remember thinking, like, because she had just had vocal surgery and retrained her voice and everything, I was like, oh, maybe she's never going to belt again. This is just the new normal. Then you get the album, and it's like, restrain, restrain, but, you know, she's like, oh, well, that's an A-vowel on a Sometimes all I need is the air that I breathe and to times did you see Patty and Gypsy? Broadway, ten times. Um, City Center, <laughs> three times. And Ravinia, twice. Wow. Ravinia? The Ravinia Festival in Chicago, yeah. That's where it started, right? Mm-hmm. Well, Patty had the long feud with Arthur Lawrence that he wouldn't... Because Sam Mendes originally wanted Patty, not right. Bernadette. 
and Arthur Lawrence vetoed it. And uh, because he was mad at Patty because she had pulled out of a play of his in the 90s called Jolson Sings Again. So then, but then, uh, but he didn't have control over um, second class productions. And Patty had been doing these Sondheim musicals in concert at the Ravinia Festival, starting with the Sweeney Todd that I worked on. But then for five years, they kept going back and doing, I worked on Little Night Music, but then they did Passion and um, Sunday in the Park with George mm-hmm. and uh, Anyone Can Whistle. Um, those were with Audra uh, and Michael Cerverus also. And then after that, then they did Gypsy, and not with Audra. Um, and everyone from New York went and saw it, and there was all this interest. Producers wanted to bring it to Broadway, so that's when Patty had to make peace with Arthur Lawrence. And then, But then it was a new production that he directed, mm-hmm. and none of the cast from Ravinia except Patty. It was so exciting. I mean, that's it's amazing how much he turned that around, because he ended up fucking directing it. You know, yeah, and it was really. Bad. I remember when, <laughs> yeah, I remember I saw it right after the Tonys, and she had done something to her foot. Oh, when the isotoners. So yeah. she wore these big isotoner shoes, and I remember like her coming out. Her back is to the audience right at the beginning, right? <laughs> no, she walks and she, oh, she enters the house. She enters from the house, yeah. and but she's looking. She's like, you know, she's talking to. Yeah. Um, Mr. Not Mr. Grant Singer. Uncle Jocko. Um, Uncle Jocko. Yeah. She's yelling at Uncle Jocko, and I remember her like walking down, and then like. The audience like gives the ovation, and she's just won the award. And she turns around, and she kind of looks down at the shoes, and she like gives a little wink. That job. It was fucking great. Obama Rose wore white isotoners. See, I mean, that's where I go for Bernadette. Bernadette would never pull that shit. She would wear the heels. If I die, it won't be from sitting. It'll be from fighting to get up and get out. Some people can get a thrill knitting sweaters and sitting still. That's okay. Some people who don't know they're alive Some people can thrive and bloom Living life in a living room That's perfect for some people of 105 But I at least gotta try When I think of all the sights that I gotta see at all the places I gotta all the things that I gotta be at Tell my papa, what do you say? Some people can be content Playing bingo and paying rent That's DG for some people For some humdrum people to be But some people ain't me Do, do you... Do you commune with other Patty fans? Like, do you have a relationship? I did. With, like, a, yeah, I definitely do. Like, um, when you were in high school, like, were there, like, chat room boards? Or no, I mean, when I was like, in high school, there, I'm 43, so there was no chat room in high school. Right. Um, but when I got to college, I got on the internet, and there was a thing called rec.arts.theater.musicals. And it was all these obsessed fans, and it was, like, you know, it was, like, a news group, they called them. I never knew exactly how to get onto it. Like, I would have to spend 20 minutes every time I got Figuring out how to get on the fucking message board. Yeah, like, how to get there. Exactly. Message boards yeah. were weird. And yeah. so, but the people on it, I mean, it was some of the, like, Adam Feldman was one of my best friends. He was, like, famous on the board because he always would write these, like, withering diatribes, diatribes tearing somebody down, and he would always sign it Warmly Adam. So they called him Warmly Adam. Oh. And Jeff Marks, who wrote Avenue Q, was yeah. on it. And um, Jason Robert Brown. And, um... Some other people, uh, and then a couple of friends of mine that I'm still in touch with that I met on that. So you said Jason Robert Brown. I think it's really. I always have to say that. Funny enough, my name is Jason Robert Black. 
I like it. And at some point, I'm going to write a musical about being crayons in a box. It's actually going to be a Pixar movie. Pixar movie next year. Yeah, yeah, well, so this was an iconic um, uh, message board. I mean, I'm, most of it was people being like. I was going to ask if you were the most. Uh, no, no. I, all I well about, known for your first writing. of all, I, even then, the message boards have always exhausted me. Like it's just not. I, were you just there for the information? information just for the in- yeah. information overload? I was overload. like, I was like, like me. <laughs> give me, give me. That's all. It was mm-hmm. take, take. You know, once in a while, I'd be like, you're a fucking idiot. Everyone knows Nathan Lane's gay. You don't have to protect him from being outed. <laughs> <laughs> just, just did lay down a little. Some tea. unpopular <laughs> yeah. t- Oh, so, but you didn't, did you find Patty fans in that message boardroom? Yeah, but Patty was, it was a dark time, you know. It, Patty was not on top like she is now. I mean, in the... In the aughts? No, I'm talking about the early, mid-90s. Oh, okay. She had just been fired from Sunset, and she really, uh, she was not beloved. It was not, you know, there were her obsessed fans like me who were like, how could they do this to her? She's a legend. But, like, most people were like, um, she sings flat, and her diction is bad, and it wasn't even like Patty or Bernadette. It was like, Bernadette's the queen, Patty's like this weird... They treated Patty like you know, Ellen Green or, like, just some curiosity that was, like, on the sidelines of, like, mainstream... Justice for Miss Green, please. No, but, but I, and see, I think Ellen Green, if <laughs> yeah. you have Patty, Betty, Bernadette, there's Ellen Green and Jennifer Holiday. That would be that generation of mm-hmm. the biggest talents in Broadway divas, you know? Right, and those two kind of had a hit, the the two kind of oddities. Right, but, I mean, they, and they weren't able to sort of, you know... And, Sustain. Jennifer and, and Ellen. Yeah. 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 For, you know, for various reasons. I mean, and the truth is, you know, even Patty, even Bernadette still, you know, she had, did The Goodbye Girl was a flop and she did all those revivals. I mean, it wasn't an A era when there were that many, you know, it wasn't like Merman had, you know. I mean, they mm-hmm. all were scrambling for well, parts. And also it's like really hard. Like, it's a really, it's difficult for everyone in this fucking business. Yes. Even the people who are at the very top to like stay relevant. I mean, no, totally. Cher had two years when she was sick. <laughs> <laughs> There's just, just randomly, have you seen the Cher show? Oh, yeah. When she was like, when she was like, those two years when I was, I was like, what two years? <laughs> what two years are you talking? Like, like she, 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 when I'll, you recorded, it's a man's world. I like, what you share was like, every note share was like, tell me how tired I am, how much sleep? Because I think I'm talking about how much you need to sleep. I was like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure in Cher's mind that's the case. But. Yeah, in her mind, <laughs> she's. Like, you should have Stephanie Block on. You she'll, she'll explain <gasps> it to you. Oh my gosh, I would love Stephanie Block to come on. Um, but. So sorry, I'm trying to go. Back We're in the '90s. So, so she was in low point. You think she was in a, in her valley? Yeah. Well, yeah, she was, and it was and it was very exciting for me to watch her rise up out of that. How did she do that? A slong. It was a slog. It was. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. The '90s. She, well, she did a couple of plays that put her back on the map as the actress that she started out. You know, mm-hmm. she went to Juilliard for acting. Yeah, she started on and she, Broadway in Chekhov as yeah, Arena of the Three Sisters. Are, you know, but there was those were in rep. She did those for six performances. You know, nobody cared or remembered. And um, it's not like now if you have like Oh Gwyneth Paltrow's doing Chekhov on Broadway, it's like the hit of the season. It uh-huh. was, you know, it, it was a, an oddity that the acting right. company was on Broadway for a season. Yeah. But so then in the 90s, Patty did, she replaced Zoe Caldwell in Masterclass, and she did David Mamet's The Old Neighborhood, and people were like, oh, right, she's not this cheesy British pop-up. You know, people treated her like Ruthie Henschel, you know, and she's actually, should be treated like, you know, Kate Burton or something, you know? And so she kind of came back into that a little bit, and then she was kind of like, and then she did the Philharmonic, um, 
Sweeney Todd that I worked on, I think part of what was so exciting about that time was Patty coming into this new, it was a Sondheim show. It kind of made her cool again. It made her cool again. It production was cool, right? Yeah, I mean, it had Audra and Neil Patrick Harris Mm -hmm. and, um, well, and George Hearn gave it a little bit of, like, old school, you know, um, cred. And, uh, I mean, it was thrilling to hear that score played by the Philharmonic. And uh, and Patty was wonderful in it. I mean, she was completely different from Angela Lansbury, and she sang it in a way that no one ever, you know, dreamed it could be sung. By the sea, Mr. Todd, that's the life I covet. By the sea, Mr. Todd, oh, I know you'd love it. You and me, Mr. T, we could be alone in a house what we'd almost own. Down by the sea, anything you say, wouldn't that be smashing? The sea at our gate will have kippered herring. What have swum to us straight from the Straits of Bering every night in the kip when we're through our kippers? I'll be there slipping off your slippers by the sea with the fishy splashing. By the sea, wouldn't that be smashing down by the was the, you know, then, and she did that Noises Off, which was not a good production, and she wasn't very good in it. Did you but, see it? Yeah, but it was a huge hit, and it was uh, extremely popular. And she seemed so like, that, uh, this seems like that world would fit her so well, though. Yeah, but the thing is, Patty's never good in those parts. Like, the diva, the way we think of her, uh-huh. she's flounders. She's, Why? Because she's, she doesn't see herself as that character. Can she not send it up? Can She really can't. She She can't. She can't get into it that way. Maybe okay. with the right director, she could be good in that part. Mm-hmm. But, like, she wouldn't be a good Miss Hannigan. Like, that's so funny. It's blowing my mind because, like, my God, that sounds like inspired casting She's not me. like a... She doesn't know... She doesn't do, like, that kind of, like, satire. She's an actor and she's comedic. But she's not uh, She's not a Dorothy Loudon, like, clown kind of personality. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Even though she can... with the With the right process, she can deliver those kind of results. But... I don't think she knows how to get there. I wonder if she's like more kind would. of more sassy, serious, and like floppy, goofy. I think she you can know, be floppy, floppy goofy, something. like um, when it comes to her on her own. Okay, like for, you know, but she doesn't. She, I don't think that's her way in. I think that's like just a, an extra. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the thing depends on that, I don't think she delivers that. Um, when was noises off? 2001. It opened like right after September. And then what she do? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, then what she do after that? Well, then she did uh, one of the best things I've ever seen her do, which was um, Can Can at Encores. Um, I don't. And she was I don't know that. Like, I don't know willing that. in that um, singing. Um, I love Paris and what um, was your favorite thing? Say Magnifique. Those, I mean, it was amazing because she had this Cole Porter score, right? So uh-huh. she sings the title song, but she sings I Love Paris, and it was definitive. And she sings C'est Magnifique, and it's oh. definitive. And then she has these two obscure songs, this one called Allez-vous on, that was just very pretty and almost forgettable. But she, the last note, I think it was the last note of the first act, was the last note of that song, and it was like a ooh vowel, and it was high. And somehow the way she placed it... It was like she was belting it, but it was a pure vowel.
beautiful thing I'd ever heard and then there was this song called Live and Let Live basically about like you know personal civil rights or something and she just sort of she's saying you just she just sings it through twice once and then the exact same thing a second time but like louder but it was she really like churned it out like she was doing it was very don't rain on my parade or point it was just it was thrilling it was an amazing performance show is just her walking around in fabulous dresses with a red wig being like, and can I scratch? And just like these weird <laughs> like, you know. Wait, she did Don't Rain on My Parade in the 99 uh, yeah. Carnegie Hall, right? Yeah. Did you go to that? Yeah. Can you? I feel like we can stop asking Ben if he went. <laughs> I've seen everything she's done since 1992 except I did not see Regina at the Kennedy Center. Um, did you ever just have to take out like a wow. petty credit card like, for your oh, well, to live your fantasy? That show is bad with money. I mean, yeah, you do. Oh, you, you have I'm sorry, that is the least of my financial liability. I didn't know that you went to you. You brought that show, those two shows. We'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah, yeah. but can you can you tell us about the night that you saw the Carnegie Hall? It was concert? amazing because she had just released Matters of the Heart, which was this. I right. just released it. I mean the. Matters of the Heart came out in September, and she had a record release at Joe's Pub, the only time she ever did a concert at Joe's Pub, for Matters of the Heart. And at that concert, it was insane. They gave out postcards for her GMHC benefit at Carnegie Hall, her Carnegie Hall solo debut two months later, which was a whole new program. And um, I was like, she had vocal surgery, she's trained her voice, she's singing in this really beautiful way. But it's different. And The days of Blow Gabriel Blow are behind us, that kind of crazy... And I was like, this girl. is fine. She's singing gorgeously in right. a way I never knew she could. With so more much controlled. control, so much more controlled, so much more musical, so many more choices and variety and musicality and just beautiful and still a lot of power. And 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 then she comes out, op- she opened Carnegie Hall with Broadway from um, Gypsy, you know. And then she says... <laughs> that makes me kind of want to cry and I don't know why. Oh, I was stoned out of my mind. I was 23. Three, and like we were in the second row, me and my best friend, who were obsessed with Patty together, and we were like losing our minds. And you have a best Patty friend? Well, this my luckily my best best friend is actually all my best best friends are also huge Patty fans. <laughs> um, but she's one that I really went through it together with in college, and um, we were so out of our mind because we didn't. Um, oh, I don't know. I just remember we were like we bought we we didn't have we bought. We decided to get stoned before the show. We were working on Spin City, which was filming at Chelsea Piers. Uh-huh. And so we ordered pot at work. 
And Hilarious. the dealer came, but we didn't have anything to smoke out of. And so we thought we could buy a pipe on 8th Avenue at one of those little, like, stores, but all they had were crack pipes. So we smoked <laughs> pot out of a crack pipe. And like, we were, like, smoking, like, and like, right before the show. And we were, like, so paranoid and high and, like, out of our minds. And then it was, like, and then there was this overture. And then she comes out just belting for the gods. And then she said, I'm going to sing every song from every part I ever wanted to play but didn't play coulda, woulda, shoulda. And then she sings... An English teacher from Bye Bye Birdie, which we had literally like, like you talk about singing songs as Patty. We would literally be like Albert, Albert, and then there she was like <laughs> doing that, you know. And it's, don't rain on my also, parade. Also, what a fan service, like to sit there and realize that she's gonna wish fulfill, possibly could wish fulfill your yeah. greatest wishes that you don't think she would ever do and probably wasn't right for the roles anyways but then fucking being like here's a concert of me probably hearing it she probably heard the people come up to her enough to be like I want the people she works with I mean between Scott Whitman and who conceives and directs her Mm -hmm. shows and Jeffrey Richman Mm -hmm. who's the executive producer of Modern Family but has been her best friend for 30 years and is a you know gay John Benjamin Hickey's partner Um, you know so he's a he's one of us you know um you know, and they both work with Bet too. I mean, they're yeah, they're the works, right people. I, Scott does, you I know. cornered I cornered Scott a couple summers ago at a dinner party, and I was like, I I'm just going to need everything from you, and uh, he gave it to oh, me. Oh yeah, but He's the, the big the, I think it's a big difference between um uh, we love you, Scott Whitman. Come on the show. Um, he would. You should get it. He would. I know. I'm going to ask him. He, I should send it to him so he listens to it. Um, the it's a big difference between. A theater diva, right? Yeah. And then a pop diva. Because, like, at a Bet concert, we get, like, maybe, like, we'll get, like, she did Everybody Knows. And right. the Divine Intervention Tour. Leonard we were, like, Cohen. get the Leonard Cohen. Yeah. And we were, like, oh, whenever we get a new song, right. it's such a thrill. But then it's going to be the hits. Right. And then it's going to be about, like, how is she going to reinterpret sure. this hit this time? But Patty, like, is not going to do Don't Cry For Me, Argentina. Well, no, Did she, she always does, yeah. She always does. I mean, not in Matters of the Heart, but... I couldn't know, imagine her not, actually. Any show that's, like, a Broadway-themed kind of thing she's going to do. Gonna she do doesn't that. do that with me when she does when she does her 100th show with Mandy, though, right? She doesn't always bring out the hits. No, because the show with Mandy is... They have a whole Evita section. I mean, so she doesn't sing Anything Goes in the Mandy show, but she sings Don't Cry for Argentina. Do they always have that? I mean, how many times have they done concerts together? I mean, I don't probably close to 100. I mean, they toured for a couple of years. They were on a... And then the, they have multiple different sets. Like, No, I've, the no, two of them only have one. I mean, they it only evolved have one a little. Together. I swear I've seen... I thought that they... It changed from when they first started to when they okay. got to Broadway, but only in but terms of refining it. But they always do an Evita. They do an Evita. Yeah, they, he sings out at a circus, and they do... Um, I mean, I call that the Patty Mandy shit show because, you know, Mandy directed it. So it's just so, the whole thing is just so Mandy, you know, and I, I just like. I, just, I love that. This this is so Mandy. <laughs> well, it's just like all that, like, yeah. you know, the, I just can see them like talking, you know, 
okay, Patty, we're going to do the bench scene. You know, she's, yeah, I know, if I loved you. No, 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 it's the bench scene. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a musical sequence. If I loved you, I just email me the lyrics. You know, but it's like, <laughs> I could just like, you know, it's so high concept for Mandy, you know. Um, you know, and then with the, with, you know, he sings Somewhere That's Green, you know, where he's like, um, there's plastic on the furniture to keep it neat and clean. <laughs> right, Ma? <laughs> Did you listen to his new albums? They're weird. I've fallen behind. I'm I'm several albums behind. <laughs> well, he just like dumped three like this year. I mean, last year. Gotta love Mandy. Oh well, this is what I was starting to tell you guys. So that when I did that, Leslie Patty gave me all her videos. One of right. which was the Lemouche video, which blew my mind specifically because because of the night. Like mm-hmm. I mean that and the song that leads into it, which is um, Midnight on the Street of Dreams. Uh, I just remember so well there was the spotlight zoomed in just on Patty's face. It looked like a porthole. Beautiful. And it's so beautiful. And then all of a sudden it's this song that I knew from like 10,000 Maniacs, you know, but like um, it's actually, you know, a a a Patty Smith song from the 70s, but it's this, you know, this tuneful rock power Mm -hmm. ballad. And it was like, oh my God, Patty's making my dreams come true. So I was obsessed with that Le Mouche concert. And then I wanted to recreate it as a cabaret evening and so um, I got Leslie Kritzer to play Patty and we got David Lewis to come back and recreate the arrangements and be our musical director and all with Patty's blessing and then it was a huge hit and we kept getting extended we got a rave in the times and Patty was like love, 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 love Um, and then Kurt Deutsch recorded it for Ghostlight Records and that was the one thing I hadn't checked with Patty, because Kurt is Patty's record producer. He did um, uh, Lady with the Torch, which was current then. Um, so I was like, you know, what? I'm just like Lonnie's old assistant. Like, you know, I'm like, Pat, I'm like Patty's like, you know, poodle. Like, Kurt will deal with like the record negotiations. But something hadn't been clear between the two of them. And that's when I got an angry phone call from Patty and from her lawyer that they wanted the whole thing to end. And Patty didn't want us to do the show at all anymore. Um, that's weird. And it's also... That's weird. Well, she she said, I don't want the New York Times to say, if you want to see the real Patty LuPone, go down to Joe's Pub. Um, and... Um, Did they say that? No, but that was... There, she was about to do Gypsy at City Center, and she was... That was her that. fear, that it was... She, she, didn't, she didn't want to be a camp, she said. Um, that's and, so um, interesting, that, that awareness of... Yeah, of that awareness of when you're becoming a caricature yeah. of yourself well, you know, or she, someone I, when, is making a caricature of you. When she or, played herself, like, on Will and Grace and then Glee and girls. then Girls, she said they're going to Patty Lapone me out of the business. Because um, I remember I was like, mm. oh, my God, it's like when Ethel Merman was on that girl, you know, and she was like, yeah, it's not cool. I want to get back to, because this is like, you know, we always talk about meeting our idols and feeling this way. And, and essentially, you, so you spent your whole life watching Patty, seeing every concert in your 20s in New York, yeah. watching Patty, and then you meet Patty. Yeah. You're in the industry. Yeah. And then you intimately get to know Patty. It, was, and then there, she threatens to sue me. And then she threatens to sue you. What's yeah. all going on in your head? Like, how are you holding all of these things? Because, you know, for Nick and I, we're like, we don't want to kind of meet our idols. Like, there's a thing that, like, we need we need them on a pat- pedestal, and we're so worried that they could fall off by meeting them. I needed to meet her. I didn't did? want to be, um, like, at the stage door. I would always go to the stage door because I wanted to watch Patty, like, the re- like, the real person, like, on the same, you know physical plane as me but I didn't want to be like me sign like I didn't want to have those interactions I just wanted right. to observe her I didn't want to um 
You know, I don't. I mean, I don't know the way I feel about my nephew. My sister's always having me FaceTime with him. I'm like, send me a video. I want to watch him be cute. I don't want to like, you know, he's like b- wants to play with his toys, and she's like, say hi to Uncle Benji, and it's like, I don't, I don't want. And then it's pressure on me to be like, blah 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 blah. You know, I just want to like watch him be cute. I just wanted to watch Patty be Patty, as far as being a fan. But I did really want to get to be. I I didn't. I did want to get to know her in a personal way, like, but just not in that remove as a fan, you know? Um, but I don't know. But then maybe even that's too... I, don't, I do find it to be a lot of pressure talking to her. Like, there's always a point, like, in a phone call with Patty where she's like, how are you, honey? And I'm like, Shh, I'm fine, but tell me more about what it was like backstage at Evita, you know? <laughs> it's like, I... I'll, if I need to talk about how I am, I have lots of people that can do that for me, right. you know? Because um, it's like, I don't, how do I present to Patty? You know, what do I want her to know about me, you know? Um, do you want to be her friend? Like, her intimate friend? And well, I, I, I guess be, that's a no, because... I do because I want to, access to her. Right. But I don't really want to be real friends, you know? You need to tell her about your bad day, because, like... Yeah, like, I just want to, I just want to listen to her, you know? I just want to be her... I want her to talk to me. I like to be alone with her as long as she's talking, you know. And I like to talk to Edgar on, you know. Uh-huh. Did, then, we, was was Patty Issues your play? Patty Issues was that before the Limouge? No, was it was it? after. So, so she sued you, and then you decided she to threatened do. to sue me. But as long as we, you know, she, I mean, she didn't really threaten to sue me. She just was like cease and desist. She was like, Let's you know, stop this. Um, and um, and then. I went through a period when, I mean, Patty and I were on very good terms and she would invite me to stuff and she took me as her date to shows when she needed a plus one or, you know, one of her, I mean, I wasn't the first gay on the list, but I was somewhere on the list, you know. And you um, went. Oh, and I lived for it, you know, and, but we were in good, on good terms. And, um, but I was really burning out my directing career, which is what I really wanted to do with my life, had really not gone the way I wanted, I'd worked This is for, in the Aussies. Yeah, I'd worked for Lonnie for a couple of years, and then I wanted to branch off and do my own stuff. And um, so I directed a couple of plays off-Broadway and a million off-off-Broadway, but, I mean, I wasn't making any money, and I couldn't, you know, I I didn't go to Yale. I couldn't get in the club. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have... My agents would give me um, the scripts that everybody else passed on, and then I would do readings with a writer, and if the writer was any good, then they would go work with John Mantello or somebody, you know... So it was, like, very frustrating, and the one thing that had been really um, well-received artistically and commercially for me was the Leslie Critcher's Patti LuPone and Les Mouches, and I realized that I liked being the um, creator of the piece, but I hadn't actually written um, the words. You know, I had just transcribed right. these things, you know. So I was trying to think of other things I could do like that, um, and I was thinking about maybe recreating like the first wig stock or like this like famous Linda Ronstadt concert where she like had a nervous breakdown. I mean, I was like trying to like figure out what would be another thing I could do, and people kept saying you should do bed at the baths, bed at the baths, get somebody to do bed at the baths. But the thing is, I did Patty Lupone Mouche. Going back to your question of like bringing my fandom like to the stage, like I did it. I wasn't like, hmm, what can I do that will be successful? I was like. I need to see this on stage. You know, I just, I didn't give a fuck if anyone else liked it or cared. If Leslie was in that tuxedo and sang Rainbow High, I was going to be living my life, you know? And so I I knew that that was the way to make good things, was to come from that pure passion. And, um, but I didn't have that inspiration to do anything else. And I had started, like, blogging, and I kind of wanted to be a writer, but I, I wasn't sure 
what was the next thing? And then, but all my friends would come over and I had all these videos from Patty and we would sit around and, you know, get high and like watch Patty's videos. So I was like, I should charge for this. So I was going to get an evening at the Lori Beachman Theater and show my Patty videos and kind of deconstruct them like Seth Rudetsky style. Amazing. Um, And so I asked Patty for for permission because I didn't want to get in trouble again, you know, and she said, let me see a draft. And I was like, just going to like wing it, you know. So I started writing little intros and outros Ooh. for the videos, but what was coming out was becoming more and more personal about me and my relationship with my father and this whole thing in my life with that. And ultimately, the show became that and it became the story of my relationship with my father and the story of my relationship with Patty. That's why I called it Patty Issues, because it's like Daddy Issues. But there, were no personal. Vi- but there were no videos at all. Right. You know? And it wasn't about, oh, she belted this high note. It was about, like, her lawyer called me or, you know... I she said she loves me or, you know, whatever the different things that happened that I had on my emotional roller coaster of my life with Patty were, you know, in the show. But, um, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, I know you wrote an entire play about it, but can you tell us a little bit about your relationship with your dad and how that mirrors Patty? Yeah. Well, so my father, um, came out of the closet when I was nine. Um, it was 1985 and, um, he was really fucked up about it. I mean, his parents had been, you know, traditional, suburban, second-generation Jewish, you know, um, East Coast, whatever, Mm -hmm. and he was an only child, and they really weren't happy, and he'd been trying to come out since he was a kid, and they'd been, like, really, like, shoving him back in, and to the point where he met my mother and got married and had me and my sister, but he finally was like, I can't take it, and, um, he, but he had drug problems, and he was kind of going off the deep end, um, and we'd always kind of had, like, a problematic relationship. I think he saw himself in me, you know, and vice versa. Um, but, like, you know, he hadn't been good at sports, and he liked to play with dolls and, like, play dress-up, and so did I. So you'd think that would have united us, but then he would, like, overshare. And I remember, like, it was a whole fucked up... We had a really weird dynamic anyway. And then... When my parents split up, he really went off the deep end. Um, and it, it, I didn't know it uh, at the time. I didn't find out two years later, but he found out that he was HIV positive, which he thought was he was going to be dead immediately. So that's when he really, really went crazy. Um, I mean, of course, only the good die young. My fucking father is, you know, this <laughs> late 60s and, you know, never had a low T-cell count. Wow. <laughs> Shining stories of Not one HIV low positive health. <laughs> You know, but um, but he didn't know that then, and and so he was really, you know, I think he thought he had nothing to live for and all that, and um, so he kind of like traumatized me and my sister with a lot of his like behavior and suicide attempts and just you know all this sort of like, um, you know, having these big scenes in front of us and then you can't tell anyone, you know, you have to keep it a secret and we wouldn't keep it a secret, and so we stopped seeing him and um, eventually were adopted by our stepfather. Um, and then I reconciled with him for a little while when I was in college, but he was just still such an asshole and, you know, um, and he's a little bit, he reminds me of Liza or like Ozzy Osbourne. Like he's, you know, when someone did so many drugs at a a certain level, in a way their brain stops incorporating new information and, you know, it's just kind of like, which is fine. I mean, we all deal with people who are kind of mentally diminished in our lives, but when they're mentally diminished and it's such a toxic relationship, it's hard to even... Forget make progress, even just to have, like, a livable um, balance with them, you know? And um, 
I uh, then I had this crazy experience. We had stopped talking after we had a year and a half reconnecting when I was in college, and then we didn't talk again. And then um, in 2008, one of the times I went to see Gypsy on Broadway, he was sitting behind me. Like I was an F101, and he was G101. Um, And uh, how was watching that performance of Gypsy? So fucking intense. I mean, every other time I've been there, I'd be like, "Mm, I like when she says, you know you not when she flips and I don't like when she goes yeah you know but th- and like this time I was like <clears throat> I did it for me <laughs> yeah. um uh I thought you did it for me mama yeah so we had we had and we had a little bit of an interchange um which was good it felt I felt very adult it was like really um you know because I stopped seeing him when I was 10 and then didn't see him again until I was 20 he had been this like scary dragon uh-huh. in my mind uh-huh. all those years. Mm. And so I think I always imagined being like, <laughs> you know, or being like, fuck you, fuck you. You know, so to see him and be like, how are you? Yeah. You know, like, it, it, it was like, oh, wow, like, I'm my own entity, mm-hmm. you know. And um, in a way, going through the experience with Patty, where she went from being this sort of fantasy figure to me, um, and I do think, you know, the the reason she was my diva in adolescence as opposed to somebody else is because Patty is this kind of scary dragon lady. So I felt empowered by her. By her emotion, by her yeah, fierceness. exactly. Her fierceness is the right word because, like, you know, my father was so scary and his mother was scary, not just to him, but to me. So I'd been sort of traumatized by these kind of, like, scary... Um, hysteria of these like hostile figures in my childhood and Patty is someone who could rise to the highest heights of like hostility I mean you know Patty saying screw the middle classes and all that is so ferocious and I think I felt emboldened by that and um, uh, but but and but also like she was protecting me in a way you know and I, I felt so connected to her and identif- I identified with her so much you know like her being fired from Sunset was so upsetting to me and then her career triumphs after that were so thrilling for me and and the roller coaster can, I mean, we all are on roller coasters yeah. right so it's like to be able to find someone that you can kind of attach to to be like Patty got back up totally mm-hmm. totally Patty gets back so up so much I can get back up and then for her to when she threatened to sue me and like <laughs> Well, that was that was this moment for me too because it was like, oh wait, it's like not Patty's job to like give me a career, and like Patty's top priority is Patty. Is Patty? Patty's not like, well, I don't love this is happening, but it's so successful for Ben. She was like, no, it's my name. Eh, off, cut. You know, end of discussion. Not a consideration. And I was like, that's okay. Patty's not my uh, guardian angel or my mommy or my, you know, um, totem. She's a human being with a separate agenda and a Mm -hmm. separate life, and so am I. And I think in a way that gave me perspective on my father. And then I produced Patty's Les Mouches album that came out subsequently um, instead of our Leslie album. Amazing! And I think that that sense of, like, wholeness and being a separate adult... In the Patty thing, it made me feel m- more healed in terms of my father. Let's go out. Just give us some. Give the kids like what's some yeah, bops. What's, what's it to like get into their Patty feelings? Feelings. Well, um, 
if they don't know, I mean, obviously, Evita, like, you know, either um, the cast album or specifically they should watch Rainbow High or singing it on the Merv Griffin show um, or um, Buenos Aires from the Tony Awards, a new Argentina from the Tony Awards. I mean, they just need to see her doing what she is number one known for with the high belting and the ferocious acting and the crazy mm-hmm. mouth facial moments. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they need to just swallow that whole... Um, and then just for the beauty and the range and the power of her voice, they should listen to Meadowlark. I mean, almost any Patty. Is that your favorite? I mean, that's her, that's her signature, Meadowlark. Yeah, one I of her, so. One of her, I consider it. Yeah, no, I do. I don't think of anyone else's version of that song. Thank you. I, no. if, that, if that comes on, I sit for it. I sit yeah. until it's over. Yeah. I do not skip it. I listen to Patty's Meadowlark. <laughs> I do. She has so many I fucking, she has so many versions of it too. You can, yeah. and you can yeah. access a lot of the different totally. versions of it. Mm-hmm. So it's real totally. fun. Yeah, I could. We could literally talk to you for like this. Could be an eight-hour-long podcast, Let's do it. <laughs> like a, like a Tyler Mack podcast. Which <laughs> it's a Twenty-four hour <laughs> hour podcast. With, yeah. Okay. Thank you for um, talking with us about the great queen of Broadway, Patty Lapone. Thank you for acknowledging it. You could talk <laughs> yeah. about it. Will you? Will you come back on? I want to get on the summer every record. single day. Would Yay, you? Let's, okay. let's have. We're having you back. That could be fun. You're, yeah. yeah. You're, I think you might be our official second Ooh, second yay! guest that we need. Our recurring guest. Yeah. You can like and subscribe. At the girls for podcast <laughs> for the girls um, podcast. <laughs> oh, you're terrible at this. Um, rate, review, download. You guys download the episodes. It helps us a lot if you listen to this three-hour talk about Patty Lapone. Thank you, Ben. And we're gonna have Ben back. So this was so um, fabulous, right? And um, uh, thanks to everyone on Fire Island. Yes. Yeah, they're like, you can keep them. <laughs> <laughs> bye. Bye, bye, everyone. Bye. I love you. Love you. Bye. Okay, were burnished bronze and golden braid and he fed her fruit and nuts from an ivory chalice and he prayed sing for me my meadowlark sing for me of a silver morning set me free my meadowlark and I'll buy you a Jewel and cloth of brocade and cruel, and I'll love you for life if you will sing for me. And one day, as the lark sang by the water, the god of the sun heard her in his flight, and her singing moved him, so he came and brought her the gift of sight. He gave her and she opened her eyes to the shimmer and the splendor Of this beautiful young god so proud and strong And he called to the lark in a voice both rough and tender Come along, fly with me, my meadow lark Fly with me on the silver morning Feast of the plums and peaches Just as far as your vision reaches Fly with me